You're listening to the Doxology and Theology Podcast, where we promote, encourage, and equip gospel-centered worship. For more information, visit us at doxologyandtheology.com. Man, welcome. I'm going to, um, uh, you know what I'd like for us to do, if you don't mind, is uh, I'm just going to invite you to put your hand on your heart. And I know that the Holy Spirit is here with us. But we want to just say welcome and and give consent, you know, that he that he would do what he wants to do today. So we'll just take like 10, 15 seconds and you guys just pray that. Spirit of God, you're welcome here. We know that you're here. We just invite your work and we surrender individually. God, this is not about problem solving for our church. But this is about interacting with you and you pointing us to the face of Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. I, uh, I was, um, years ago, we were, we were on, a, on a flight that got grounded in Chicago and, and uh, they took our, our stuff, you know, and they everything got rained on and they canceled our flight. We had to stay in a hotel room. We went back the next day and I was, we had lost a lot of money, you know, in, in some of the work that we had missed. And, and, um, and then they were starting to, it started to look like they were bumping our next flight and everyone was getting on the flight, but me and my friends. And, um, I have a really long fuse. I'm a fairly calm, peaceful person, but then, it, you know, like many calm, peaceful, peaceful people, it gets to the end of that calm and peace and there's an explosion on the other end and uh so i was I, I went up to the desk and i was watching all the people get on the on the flight and uh, the lady said just hold on sir and i said ma'am we pay and you get paid and uh, which is terrible to say to anybody and um so some more time went by more people got on the airplane and and uh you know we still weren't getting on and i went up and i was a little bit more intense and she said, just hang on, sir. And I said, ma'am, we pay and you get paid. And, uh, and that went on a little bit longer. I said one more time, ma'am, we pay and you get paid. And uh, it was terrible. And I think, uh, I think I say that because there's a little bit of like, we, we look for transaction in some sense. Like, God, what can we do? And then you'll do something back. And almost like uh, he's a jukebox of some sort. And I think what we're talking about today is so much more about um, looking on a looking on a, a person, person of Jesus, um, the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And um, so I'm going to kick us off today. I'm going to give a, a brief overview of my uh, liturgy journey, which some people who were already in my last session heard this, but I'm going to make it brief. And it's it's we're saying this to set us up on some level ground, and. Um, because I'm just a, I'm a hodgepodge of, of um, denominations. And, but I grew up in the traditional Baptist church and uh, I knew how to present sword and find my Bible verse. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Um, my mom gave me plenty of jelly beans to memorize scripture, it was amazing. And um, so I went through that journey and then somewhere around 13, I decided, you know, I don't need to go to church. You know, this isn't, this isn't a deal, you know. And so I spent the next six years kind of in, in no church. And uh, by the time I got to my senior year, God saved me, radically saved me. I mean, transformed me. And uh, I, got, um, I got connected to a, uh, a charismatic group of people. And a real charismatic group of people. Crazy charismatic group of people. And so really the, the prime time that I was learning to lead worship, um, you know, I would, I would sing some songs and, you know, there'd be someone laughing over there, someone rolling around over there, someone yelling over there, you know, flag dancing and back. Um, it, was, it was bizarre. And, and uh, the guy that was mentoring me at the time was not a worship leader, but he would, he'd whisper in my ear, you know, he'd say, um, sing about Jesus and look around the room and ask him what he's doing. And uh, so that's kind of what I did. And that, that church uh, eventually became some other form of that church where maybe, uh, I don't know if emergent is the right term for it, but somewhere in that realm, um, we were um, 
we were learning lots of different different expressions of church. Toward the end of that, I my my life um, became real busted up, and uh, um, I left church, the 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 local church, for a year or two, and ended up in an Episcopal church, and uh, I loved the mystery there and the beauty there and the prayers there. Um, and then over time, landed in the church that I'm in now, which is a, you know, we're a part of the Acts 29 um, reformed world. So I've been in that for the last uh, eight or nine years. And so I wanted to tell you that journey because I, I wanted to include me as a broken human. I wanted to include me as a, in the Baptist church and the Episcopal church and the charismatic church and the reformed church. I want to give you all that because we're on a journey toward Jesus and we all think that there's some sort of transactional thing that's going to happen that's going to get us there faster. And part of what we're on is a journey, and we just need to keep engaging uh, the Spirit and the presence of God along the way. So I'm going to push pause there for that and, and cast it to you. I don't know why I used the word cast just now. Would it, I will cast it upon you now. Thank you. Um, I'm going to introduce myself. Uh, I'm Joel. I'm, I'm a pastor at a church called Park Church in Denver, Colorado. Um, so I've been serving the church. I've been leading worship for probably like 23 years. And then um, uh, was at, was at a, a little like a vineyard church uh, in college. So similar like a charismatic evangelical church. And then was out actually in Oklahoma City with Charlie for a while at a church out there. Um, similar, similar story that went through a theological transition during that time. And I've been at, been at um, a church in, in Denver, Colorado. And maybe introduce yourself as well, Ryan. Yeah, my name is Ryan Geekus. And um, I've been leading worship as well for about 20 years. Uh, similar, similar journey to uh, when I started leading worship. It was in a charismatic um, setting and then moved to Oklahoma City. Is that church with... <laughs> Our stories overlap in weird ways. Um, and then I'm at Frontline Church with, with Charlie now as worship director at one of the campuses. Awesome. Um, I think I, I wanted to real quick just make a, in the same way that we have like a bunch of like denominational background things, like in a room like this, there's going to be a bunch of differences. And so like we want to acknowledge that there are a variety of approaches um, in this room. And so Hopefully um, what you'll hear is not necessarily prescriptive of like, this is what you guys need to do in your church because this is awesome and this is the right way to do it. This is the, what the word of God says. And it's like, man, like Christian churches have faithfully tried to follow what God has commanded us to do. And so I think we will see that in each of your churches in beautiful ways that we could probably all learn from each other um, in that. And so I just want to make that caveat. So even we're talking about word-based, spirit-led, probably if we talked about our theology of the Holy Spirit, our theology of gathering, what we seek to do, there'll be a, a wide variety here. So I think we're going to hopefully describe some of those things, um, of uh, our understanding of those things, and then hopefully open up for questions later um, and, and, uh, and try to dialogue and learn from you guys as well. Um, another thing I want to mention too, um, if we went out uh, around the room and did like a quick survey, if you guys think you guys are stronger on like word-based or spirit-led, like word-based or spirit-led. I have a feeling at a conference like Doxology and Theology, <laughs> I imagine that would everybody would feel way better on the word-based. Word-based, yes, you know, spirit-led, define-led, you know. Um, define spirit, define-led. Yeah, yeah, define spirit and define-led, yes. Um, and uh, I want to say this, that ultimately at the end of the day, we don't think these are separate journeys. We don't think they're separate journeys. I think the church often tries to separate them and make them into competition. Um, but uh, we believe that these are one journey. Um, you cannot be spirit-led and wordless. Um, you cannot be word-based per se and truly word-based and ignore the spirit of God unless you end up like a Pharisee looking at the scriptures and not finding the God of the scriptures. And so um, I think I want to just say that with clarity for us. I think uh, very helpful parallel scriptures for us um, are uh, Colossians 3, um, 16, uh, and then also Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. So Colossians 3, 16, hopefully we're all familiar with it. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in, you, uh, in your hearts to God. And so clearly in this passage, singing is one of the ways that we are to be word-based. Uh, we want the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Um, 
It's where to be word-rooted, word-dwelling. Uh, Notice that it's Christ's word in us. Uh, we aren't just singing whatever we want. We are singing psalms, so we're singing scripture. Uh, we're singing hymns, which are truths of scripture. Um, and then also spiritual songs, songs derived from the spirit of God. Um, and then uh, I want to read the next one too, Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Uh, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and everything to the God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so very similar passage here. Um, Ephesians and Colossians are very similar letters, a lot of overlap there. Um, but what is the origin of these songs. It's the filling of the Spirit. Um, we're to sing the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. As the Spirit fills the church, Scripture comes out of our mouths. As we are Spirit-led, the Word of God comes out of our mouths. Um, and so psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are, 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 are intended to point us back to the beautiful truths that we've come to know in the Bible. And so uh, Word-based and Spirit-led are not in competition. They are in cooperation they're kind of like bicycle pedals, like working in tandem, pushing each other along. Um, and so, uh, again, there isn't a silver bullet here of prescription. Like, we're gonna, you're going to do this, and then you'll be perfect and set for the rest of your life. Um, but, man, we want to try to describe some of these things in Scripture and also some of the best practices that we've seen. Um, at the end of the day, we hope that you listen to the Spirit of God and ask Him for wisdom in your local context, uh, believing and trusting that Jesus loves your church more than you do. He wants to build your church. And so let's trust him to do that as we listen to his spirit. Um, so uh, Ryan's gonna share a little bit about word-based uh, and then uh, we'll kind of keep going from there. So do you wanna? Yeah, and maybe to start, I was sharing with these guys um, a story. Joel and I were part of, part of a pastoral internship with our pastor at the time, Dr. Samuel Storms. And uh, during that time, it was a massively formative year um, for me and uh, one, one of the things was just the authority of Scripture. And so I was finding this renewed sense of love for God's Word. And um, so we were memorizing Scripture and writing songs to Scripture. And um, so I expressed this to Sam, and I, was, and, and I said, man, I'm just, I love God's Word, you know, so much. And I was feeling this affection, and I was expecting some affirmation from him. And... Uh, <laughs> And he looked back and he said, man, that's amazing. He's like, hopefully it leads you to love the God of, of this word, you know. And it wasn't like a rebuke, <laughs> you know, but it was this, this tape that's played in my head for years now as I've um, been in God's word and, and is that, that I would be encountering the God of the word. And so the end for which it exists is, is not just that um, I would be right, um, but that, but that I would know um, the God who, who inspired this word. And so I think even as we think about word-based and that these, that these being word-based and spirit-led are not divorced, um, that behind this is the God of the word. Um, so maybe some other helpful, uh, helpful things. When the aim of biblically informed or saturated worship, um, in my mind, is this, is that our minds would be informed um, about who God is, um, what he is like, who, who is the God of the Bible. As our minds are informed that our hearts would be affected, that our affections would be stirred, that we would delight in him. And that that delight would fuel a response. Um, and that response would be authentic worship. So our minds being informed, we are affected by, by that truth. And the response is worship. Um, and so, you know, scripture helps us remember what is true. And the Spirit of God ensures that we'll be um, affected by our remembrance. Um, I, I, this is a helpful analogy for me. It's not a perfect one, uh, but another one we talked about. In, in many ways, I think about um, these things like a kite. And um, a kite cannot fly unless it's tethered to something. If it's, if it's loose, it's going to blow in the wind. It's going to end up um, in a tree or on the ground. Um, and so I think about, as we think about the word in tandem um, with the Spirit, um, we're tethered and biblically rooted um, in God's word. And uh, we can't control the wind. Um, but we can be faithful to what God has called us to as worship pastors, worship leaders um, in our gatherings and, um, and trust that God is going to move in ways that we cannot. Um, we could do everything really, really right, um, but without the power of the Spirit um, breathing on those things. Um, it's just something that's right. <laughs>
and uh, as I said earlier, I think I think we're probably all in agreement that the church should be word based. Um, and so I think I think we're going to transition to kind of what do we when we talk about spirit led, um, what do we what do we mean? And then uh, hopefully as we talk about moving forward together with both of these, we're going to be talking a little bit about how how does this shape our understanding of our gatherings. Um, but do you want to share more about the spirit led bit? Yeah. So um, I. Um... We'd love for you guys to, we're gonna, we're gonna leave about 20, 25 minutes for some Q&A, so we'd love for you guys to be thinking of questions, anything that lacks clarity or anything that you'd like to know, um, or, or us kick around as an idea. We, we wouldn't claim to know everything for sure, but we can kick around some ideas, especially in the Spirit of God. But I, I, um, I was thinking about Revelation 4 when we were getting ready for this, and I was thinking about, you know, John in the spirit, Jesus takes him up and he sees, he's looking into heaven and um, he's seeing uh, the beauty of uh, the throne. He's seeing the colors. He's seeing the life. Um, and uh, he's seeing the creatures. And these creatures are, you know, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There's so much life when uh, John is, is looking on Jesus. There's no cold science in that. There's not, uh, there's not calculation. There's just uh, looking on and exploring and standing in wonder and awe of God. And then I, I watch, you watch the elders uh, in the midst of that. There's all this stuff going on. John's looking around. Creatures are flying around saying, holy, holy, holy. And then uh, the elders, you know, there's something that overtakes them in the sense of like, we're standing in the presence of, and the power of a king, and they they throw their they throw their crowns down, and again I, I don't think it's a technical like it's time to throw our crowns down, guys. Let's take this off, put that there. And be careful. Be, be careful. <laughs> um, they throw their crowns down, and then they throw themselves on the ground, and they're saying worthy, worthy, worthy. There's something that that overtakes them in the sense of it. It's, it it may be emotion, but it's not built around emotion. It's built around this, I am in the Lord's presence. I am full of expectation and awe and wonder. And what I'm seeing is blowing me away. And there's a sense that I'm joining all of heaven and earth. And so I want to respond to this. I want to be overtaken and respond to this. And uh, I think we can label that you know, emotion, or we can label that charismatic, but you look at this picture in the scriptures, and these, these people are overtaken by awe and wonder of a person, and there's, there's, that's what I when, I, when I look across the people that I lead, I want them to be overtaken by a person. I want them to be uh, so in awe of Jesus, presence of God, spirit of God, the Trinity as God, starts to interact with the people in the room. The expectation grows, the awe grows, the eyes widen, the jaw drops, and you have a group of people that's showing up um, to respond and fall more in love with the person of Jesus. And that's what the, the Spirit of God does. He testifies of Jesus, he points to Jesus. So when I say Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, I'm so glad that you're here with us. And we welcome you, and we, we yield to you, we give you consent. It's not so that I can feel more. Um, it's so that I be, be more pointed to Jesus, and more in awe, and more ready to throw down crowns. And uh, so it's my desire like to, for me to be like that, me to live like that, um, for me to show up to my gathering, my church like that, for me to be prepared to be in awe of God, for me to be prepared to interact with the Spirit of God so much so that my, my heart just unfolds in front of Jesus. I'm convicted of sin. I make more space uh, to have my affections move toward Him because I'm already fighting with all those things all the time, all of my affections. So something about the Spirit of God and the expectation of people coming that explodes in, in the awe of God. And I think that's... Um, that's one of the, the beautiful points of um, spirit-led service. So we can talk a, a little bit about this um, in the sense of what do you do uh, to prepare for a spirit-led service? And how do you stand in a spirit-led service? Uh, 
Um, how, do you, uh, how do you be, maybe I should say, in a spirit-led service? Um, so let's kick around some of those ideas. I, I, I think that there are some um, false dichotomies in this area for people as far as preparation. So I've seen everything. So if, um, if I just asked you guys, hey, if somebody said, I'm a spirit-led worship leader, what, what, would, what immediately comes to mind? Lack of preparation, right? Spontaneity, that's right. What else? That's pretty much it. <laughs> um, I, I think that's exactly, so I would say that's like a false, false dichotomy, right? Of like, man, like, um, and then if you said, what about a word-based worship leader? Describe a word-based worship leader in their preparation. Dry. <laughs> oh, pride. Sorry. Charlie's, Charlie's getting old. He what? What? what the else? young man back there said pride. <laughs> what else comes to mind when I say word, like a word-based worship leader? Scripted. Predictable. Thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think those are, those are honestly um, and sadly false assumptions on both sides of that, that word-based worship leaders are only going to be scripted, you know, and spirit-led people should not be led. Um, and so um, I, I think for me, uh, coming to terms as a worship leader, um, as, as one who desires to be both of these together for the health of the church, I think when you are only one of these, you find a malnourished, deformed church, right? Um, and so... I think for me, uh, the false dichotomy is this, is saying I can either choose to be spirit-led and not prepare anything. And so uh, my example, one of my examples is, is when I came to Oklahoma City, I showed up on a Sunday and the worship leader for that day, the band was just in the, in the sanctuary just waiting for the leader to come out. And the leader had like 12 to 14 songs on the floor and was like picking, looking at them all and then was like grabbing them and again, genuine goodness of like, Lord. Prayerfully, very prayerfully. Yes. <laughs> but like, Lord, what do you want us to sing today, right? And the band was just waiting. And so, and then you could definitely tell when the band played that they weren't as prepared as they could be. Um, so it was a little sloppier. And so, um, and then the other side, I, I, I've seen it very clearly in the church as well, um, is just, I think I've come uh, to settings where people are really prepared and then it's, it's um, basically, once they get to the service, it's execute. It's, I'm executing what I planned, right? So I'm executing a plan, and my interaction is with the plan, not with the person. And so that would be a false dichotomy as well of saying, okay, um, really, as long as I prepare really well, I can just hit play, and then nothing weird happens. As long as there's no sound issues, we're in the clear. And then the, you know, and so the, you know, we were talking earlier, like, so the, the assessment of that one at the end would be, how well did we execute our plan, right? And and uh, I think a word-based, spirit-led leader would recognize the leadership of God in both the preparation and in the moment as you're leading to, to stray from that plan uh, when, when necessary. We can talk more about that, of, of what does it mean to, to be spirit-led um, in the moment. But I think for me, trusting that God is, is leading us, and, and Geekas, I'll ask you, I think that was a helpful thing that you talked about um, uh, before about your leaders, like, trusting in the same God who leads us. Um, maybe, maybe talk a little bit about that, the false dichotomy of like Sunday versus Tuesday. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, unfortunately those stereotypes exist because they exist. You know, we've experienced that to some degree. And um, for us being at a church that was, um, its roots were in being charismatic. Um, so that was not a foreign thing for them. So the spontaneity, um, showing up on Sunday and uh, being spontaneous, maybe being a little less prepared than they should have been. Um, the new piece was preparation and, and is, is, for some it would feel restrictive. You know? And again, this false dichotomy, the reality is the same Spirit of God um, is present on Tuesday um, when we are preparing and hopefully prayerfully preparing um, writing our liturgies, choosing songs, um, looking at scripture, trusting that the Spirit of God is leading us in that moment in our preparation, but also going into Sunday morning, we're the same, 
the Spirit of God is present with us on Sunday. And for us to walk into Sunday with that plan, with um, expectation in our hearts that um, God is going to, one, be there, but he's going to show up in powerful ways. And we can either be active participants um, in that, um, or we can be so, so, so focused on our um, plan um, that, that we're not active participants, that we resist, or maybe we miss some moments. Um, and we get it right, but we maybe, maybe could miss some moments there. Do you want to talk? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I, um, one of my favorite stories on this topic is I, in college, I had a, a roommate, and he was very disciplined. Um, and, but, but he, he would uh, calendar everything. And uh, he had a, he literally had spontaneous time between two and three every day, and where he could do whatever he wanted to do. It was just spontaneous, as long as he was done by three. Um, and uh, as as weird as that sounds, um, I think a little bit of like my my services. Um, I uh, there's a time frame to our services. We, you know, we we typically aim for an hour and fifteen minutes. Um, and so it's, it's kind of like, okay, here's an hour and 15 minutes. We have a plan for that hour and 15 minutes. What points in those plan, in that plan, is, is going to be okay to, be, to have that spontaneous time? And so uh, typically I would take my band uh, for that morning or any of the liturgists or even the pastor. And I would say, at what, at what points uh, are we open to God doing something different. And I think what that's done over, over the years, months, years, is it starts to show us that we, it, it puts everybody that's um, leading that morning on kind of attentiveness, you know, like, okay, God might be, do, like when I'm watching my pastor, he and I have talked and I've said, hey, what, what could happen? What could God might do at this point or at the end of the service? And so I'm watching and I'm, I'm on alert. I'm like, God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Or if one of my worship leaders is leading a song and I've said to him, hey, when you get, um, after, that, after that first bridge, I want you to pause and just play for a little bit. Instruct your band that you're going to play. Hold that one for a second. And, and we, we would call that a window. And uh, so he's holding that one and, and we'd say, open the window, move out of the plan. Get out of the plan and right there, uh, is our, spont- our planned spontaneous time where um, we, we're, our expectation that God could change the, what's happening could, could go on right there. And, and maybe you step out, maybe you say something, maybe you sing something, but your expectation is high that God may do something unique in that moment. Not that God's not doing stuff in the other parts of the service, but he might do something unique that hasn't been planned. And if he does, we follow that because everybody's attentive. He might do something. And if he doesn't, you crawl back into the plan. You shut the window. We move forward. And uh, that's our plan, spontaneous time. But I think what that's helping me do and help, helping me lead um, our, our leaders to do is everyone's kind of staying really attentive during the service. Um, we have, I have made a plan three months ahead for what that service might look like. And then uh, that week, we look at that plan with our elders. And then later that day, we look at it with all of our worship leaders. And then two days later, we look at it again with everybody that's going to do that plan. I mean, we're talking about we have meticulously gone through that plan. But also, I've asked everybody, like, stay alert. God is alive. He's a resurrected king. He sent his Holy Spirit that points us to Jesus. And this plan is not, is not, this plan doesn't rule us. Jesus rules us. So what can he do? And so that's a little bit of the, the sense that I, I'm trying to live in and I'm trying to serve my leaders to, to live in that plan. I think, I think what I want, I want to say about this was um, just uh, ask, ask you a question. I, th- I think it was convicting for myself of like, what do you expect to happen Number one, when you come in to lead worship, like what are your expectations for a Sunday service? And, I'm, and I, I probably all of us have different ones, you know, of like what do you expect to happen? Um, and then also what do you expect to happen when you come in 
kind of as just to be a part of a worship service, you know, what, what do you expect God to do? And I think this hits on a lot of the expectation of paying attention to God. Um, I think uh, in, the, in the worship world, I think we've, even the name of the conference, like liturgy, you know, we're talking about, you hear a lot about rehearsing the gospel. We want to rehearse the gospel, you know, and it, and it almost, almost becomes like, okay, we are storytellers. We want to tell the story as accurately as possible and just execute the plan versus remind ourselves that actually the story we're in, the main actor, God himself, is with us on a Sunday. And we want to um, open our hearts to him, to interact with him, to know him more. And so not just rehearse the story, but also encounter the God of the story, um, to meet with him and be open to him. And so to not gather around merely just plans, but to gather on in the same way that Jesus said, I did the will of, a, of my father. What was the father doing? I wanted to follow that. And similarly, when we talk about spirit-led, Jesus modeled the way of what was it like to listen to his own father? What is the father doing? How, how can we follow him in those things? And so that's, I think, a, a big piece of what we're talking about. Oh, I really love that. Even as you're saying that, when we're talking about rehearsing the gospel and telling the story, it, we're not just telling a story that happened. We're telling a story that is happening um, at that moment. So we're inviting um, people into that. And so we, we are rehearsing and remembering, um, but we're also participating um, in our liturgy. So That's great. Um, I'll, we may could head into Q and A. I, I wanted to say this this one this one thing real briefly in uh, Isaiah sixty one. It says the Spirit of the Sovereign God is on us. Preach good news to the poor. Set the captives free. Give beauty for ashes. Um, headdress for mourning. All these amazing things. You know that that we want to see on our on a sunny morning. Actually, that I want to see in my home. I want to see it in my friendships. I want to see it, you know, anytime I go somewhere, I want to see it. And so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, man, spirit of the sovereign God is on me. In Luke 4, Jesus stood up and he said, this, I'm, I'm the one that was, that this is talking about. I am Jesus, the anointed one. And, uh, and then you fast forward to Colossians and you see that it, the, the secret is Christ in us and through us. And uh, so you take all those things, and there is, there is some, some amazing transformation that's happening when you have the spirit of the sovereign God that does all those beautiful, amazing things found in Jesus, and then he's living his life through us, and then we stand up to, do, to, to lead a service for an hour and 15 minutes, or even more than that, to live our lives and the spirit of the sovereign God that brings good news to the poor and sets captives free is literally living his, his life through us. And so the way I lead worship is like, I'm, I'm cognizant that that's happening, that's going on through my life. And it has very little to do with me. But the spirit of the sovereign God that gives beauty for ashes, where I know that there's depressed people in the room, is, is the biggest thing that's, that's glaring. I want that thing to glare that Jesus Christ is just alive and that the Holy Spirit's pointing. And I think that awareness and that fight, it's a fight to keep that aware. Um, the fight to keep that awareness high in me is part of what I think makes that spirit-led moment, uh, um, it, it makes a pathway for that over and over, over and over. Because I, I look across a room in a different way because I don't see... A, a crowd as much as I see faces and then I see what God the spirit of the sovereign God wants to do with your stories and how he wants to just um, have them collide with with God's story and so that moment of like being alive and aware in the spirit of God and how he wants to point to Jesus has changed everything over the years for me Great. Um, we'd love to just open it up for questions. Um, I, do, do we need to use that mic? Is that all right? Yeah, so there is a mic up here. So if you want to talk in the mic, we can probably just hear it as well. So if you have a quiet... Is it for the recording? Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. We'll take both planned or spontaneous questions. <laughs> just make sure they're spirit-led. One at a time, please. 
maybe it's easier for you to say the question and us repeat it. Or you could, or you could be could in charge. Yeah. Since you got MC. such a great haircut. That's right. We got the same barber. <laughs> yeah, I like how you guys are uh, seated according to beard length as well. It's very nice. <laughs> it's wisdom. <laughs> now, uh, I was wondering if you guys could just touch on... Um, I don't know if this is just me, but uh, as a worship leader, there's some mornings where maybe you've had some intense fellowship with your wife, and uh, and you got to go and present a, you know, hey, man, this is be- this is being recorded. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, I think uh, he means conflict. Oh, yes, yes. and and <laughs> but just just what you guys do um, mentally to you know. Man, be, still be spirit-led, even though, man, you know, that, that's, that thing is still there, or this guy, as you're walking up, says, hey, man, I really hate that song that you guys are doing, or whatever. You know, it just kind of throws you off your game a little bit. And I was just wondering if you guys could talk about what you, how you work through that. <laughs> Do you want the wisest one, the, the middle, or the foolish one to share? Man, um, I... This situation and many, many others, I mean, because this is, this is based on, like, what's happening in your personal life, what's happening in your emotional life, all the things that tend to drag uh, your leadership. And I'll talk about this a lot with, with the worship leaders I work with. And we talk about being a worship leader is one of the first ones to look up. You know, it's not, it's, it's not so much what's happening or not happening where your strength comes from, but it's like, I'm going to look up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up. Sorry, I thought something was falling. That was weird. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be the first one to look up on Jesus, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to level myself with the people because I'm in a similar place. Bad morning, sad season, dry moment, whatever it is. There's something similar going on in me that's going on in you. So one of, one of my best works as a worship leader or any kind of leader is to be the first one to look up and to be drawn to Jesus and then to take everyone with me. And I think I used to lead years and years ago like, hey guys, today I'm, today I'm kind of sad. I know some of you guys are too. Let's sing. You know? <laughs> And it's like, oh, what did I just do to the room? But you know what? Hey, guys, many times I'm depressed. So are you. But we have a risen king. Let's look up. That's where I'm running today. Will you guys run with me? And that's different in terms of like our human experience is all the things that go on in our lives are, are crazy. And then all the things that happen in a moment, you know, all of a sudden it's like, why did that guy say, to that, say that to me right before I came up here? You know, you're, you're one of your best friends like, dude, I really need to talk to you about something. Maybe after you're done leading, it's like, well, oh. <laughs> and you know how when you're leading, you're, you're sorry, leading, you're sorry, it's okay. <laughs> you're, you're playing chords, you're remembering lyrics, you're trying to lead, you're looking out at the guy that you haven't seen in a while, and you're like, I wonder where he's been. You know, you've got all this, and then you're going like, my, one, my buddy's got a problem with me, so... So it's like, no, you know what? I'm, I'm moving toward Jesus, and I want everyone to come with me. And out of all of the insurmountable emotional problems I've had over the years, that's been the key thing for me to keep leading, is going, you know what? I'm showing up on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'm going to be the first one to look on Jesus, and then I'm going to pull everybody with me. I, I think a, a helpful thing for me, I think as you're, t- I mean, that's just reality. You know what I mean? It's gonna keep, keep on happening. And so um, I, think, I think from my perspective, that's been a, the strength even of, of, for me, a set liturgy of like call to worship, confession of sin, yeah. of like those moments of like honesty. I think First John 1 of like claiming that we have no sin means we don't have fellowship with God. But if we confess our sins, we have fellowship with one another you know, and fellowship with God. And, and, and this idea of this, of that, when, I've, when I found myself like really ticked off at my wife because of a fight, generally like the night before or whatever, you know, intimate fellowship or whatever you're talking about, but the fight, the fighting kind, you know, like in that sense of like, just like so mad at her, you know what I mean? And then if I walk up thinking 
um, that I'm just going to put that off. I try to get that out with someone beforehand of just confessing my sin, saying, man, I'm really bitter at my wife right now, and I don't, I don't want to carry this. Um, I, I can't see the depth of my forgiveness right now in Jesus, and so I need you to help me. So, I mean, like, we have a prayer time, and I was confessing my sin before. Like, there's, like, three guys in there, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like, real hard-hearted towards my wife right now, and I don't want to be. Um, and, and would you guys pray for me? And I found some brokenness in that moment of confessing my sin to God and to others, of like just being open. And, and I think that, that begins to open up the room too, of like not necessarily in front of the people, uh, but like I think when we're in that prayer time, somebody else was like confessing more sin. And then we, we began praying for one another. And I think that the reality of not leading as a perfect leader but a leader who is the first to look to Jesus to confess their sins, to confess their need for God, um, I think is, is one of the only ways that you can lead, you know, because like to, um, there's one perfect worship leader. His name is Jesus. You know, he's the mediator. Yeah. You know, not, not you and your perfection with God. Like his blood is enough, you know, and so that, that is a freeing thing for me. And so I want to lead as clean as I can in the sense of like confessing that stuff, but recognizing it's not my cleanliness per se that is like the, the mediator to God. Yeah, you, the last thing you were saying was what I was reminded of, that we, we are not, we're not the mediators. And, and sometimes I think in the past, especially, I put that pressure on myself. Um, and, and so calling, we're calling people to remember to see and join in the work of God and the gospel. You know, and so sometimes I feel that more than I do other times because of what's happening in my life, you know. And so I, I think, um, I think, yeah. And authority in Jesus is, is it, uh, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, Christ in you. And then he cares so much for these people and you're not hindering his presence. You know, you don't have that kind of control. And that's really beautiful. I'll... I'll can I ask you to elaborate on your, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in the context of difficulty? Do you remember when you, I mean, or do you want me to just share it? Maybe, maybe. I'll just should. go for it. So, um, so one of the, one so of the, something Jesus and I say is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, <laughs> mind, soul, and strength. Jesus and I always say that stuff. That's good. That's good. No, I, I think that when, 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 uh, you know, you want to lead the way as a worship leader. You say, man, I want to be the, the chief example of one who loves the Lord, um, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. We generally equate all of those things with positive things. With all of my heart, the goodness of my heart, you know, like my mind, like the true theological thoughts, like strength, like raising my hands, you know, like uh, soul, you know what I mean? All those things. And yet, we're ta- that's what we're talking about is like an embodied human who goes through real difficulty. And so when you look at, I think the thing I was talking about was when, when you look at what is contained inside the heart of a man or of a woman, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart doesn't just mean bring the good things, but stand before a God who searches you and knows you, knows exactly what you're walking through. And you can stand, you don't have to cover with fig leaves, but you can come before him as one who's been redeemed by Jesus and say, I'm, I've sinned against my wife. Like I'm, I'm angry with her. I'm distracted. And yet you're ultimately the one I want to focus on. I want to love you and love my neighbor, in this case, my wife, as myself. And I'm having a really hard time doing that. And so to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in that moment um, is actually to bring the dark parts of your, the shadow parts of your soul to God, as well as the gold in you, as, long, as well as the beautiful things, if that makes any sense. I, this has to do with being spirit-led too because um, God's power rests on weakness. And I think we, we typically try to show our best stuff. And it doesn't mean pull everybody into your weakness, but it, there is a boasting of the weakness in the right places uh, where God's power comes and rests on it. And uh, we've been talking in our church a little bit about um, brokenness needs healing. Sin needs confession, confession and uh, weakness needs boasting. And sometimes we um, we try to repent of our weakness when that needs the boasting. We need to repent of our sin, and we need healing for brokenness. There are three separate categories, and we combine them sometimes. So weakness is beautiful because God's power comes and rests on it. So there's some, there's some, when I'm weak, if I can get my head in the right spot, I can go, 
you know, this is actually best. God, I need your power to come rest on this. Hi, I'm Dallas. Nice to meet you guys. Um, how do you train your band to be ready for those moments that you talked about where being led by the Spirit, maybe it's not, it's kind of off the cuff a little bit, not always predictable, and you're ready just for them to be aware. You said active participant, which I think is really good, kind of seeing what's going on. How do you prepare them? Because obviously chords have to be played. Something has to be happening while you're speaking into or in the middle of the song or between songs. How do you prepare them as to what they're going to be doing, what their roles are when you go off, off cuff? Yeah, I can speak to it first. I mean, you kind of named it. I, for me, if I've, for me personally, if I've prepared well, sometimes I can see or maybe anticipate where those windows are. And so I can look at a set and go, you know what, this is going to be a good spot for us to maybe pause. And, and so I will tell the band that, and, and a lot of times it will be, let's hold that one chord or let's play through this chord progression. Um, here and so it's what do you just, mean by one chord well he, the said, major. The, he said the one yes yeah. the, the major so he said the one earlier so i added chord and now you clarified it even more so that's good well Thanks. no i just i just think so national yeah. numbers what key are you playing in you know what i mean so the one would just be like either the it's one key of g but yeah 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 key of g or if it's capoed i'm um, just kidding um capo uh, g yeah so so like i uh, the, this idea of holding the one is just like droning out the note, you know, just holding it, saying that's what we're going to hold. So if you have pad, that's, that's what you're going to be holding. Um, another idea is just simply like, uh, I'm trying to think of a song, like uh, Build My Life. Uh, the I will build my life. So um, they have like a little walk up. So it's like the four or five, what is it, six? Is it one or seven? I forget what it is, but th those are natural numbers. But it's a, it's a general progression. You can just say, hey, we're either going to hold the one, like which is the root note. So if it's in G, you'd hold the G. Or we're going we're gonna to sit on that, on that walk up. So we're going to play the four, five, six, seven, or whatever, over and over again. And, just, and the most fun time to do that is in practice. So if you think in terms of like, even like there's, there's a, there are structures to things. And so like jazz, or any, there, there, there are progressions that you can play that you know you're gonna play. This is probably what we're gonna play. And so, um, or another idea is just to hold the four, which is kind of like the anticipation, but it never lands. Like the, when you hit the one, that's when you know you're done often. It's you know? really anointed, yeah. the four holding that. And so I think sometimes like if I'm playing, <laughs> I'll kill the band and then just play by myself if we haven't rehearsed anything. You know, and I'll just hold something, either the one or, and I'll just be like trying to be praying and attentive. God, do you want to say anything? And like kind of look out the window, like, and maybe mm -hmm. not, you know? Um, was, but, yeah, go. I was going to say, another one is just, I mean, often for, for me, it'll, it'll be at the end of the song. And so sometimes I'll just, we'll end the song and I'll let the band stop, you know? And uh, depending on who my players are, I may have the guy on the keys kind of be sitting in there. Um, but those are moments too, in between songs um, as well. Yeah. Does that help? Does that help the, the only other thing I, I will say is that for those that want to explore this more, there's not like, I wouldn't say there's more spirituality. I think sometimes like in the charismatic world that you live for the spontaneous moments and unless that happens, then God didn't move, yeah. you know? Right. Um, I think some of that is just saying, being attentive to prayers. God, do you want me to pray anything, sing anything? Another song that I know. So sometimes other songs that you know will come into your mind. Sometimes like, I, I don't know what to sing, but I know I'm supposed to sing about this, you know? And so that's like where it gets fun. It's just like, what are you doing? And, and then you like step out. And if it totally is lame, you can just step back in and back off of it. Like sometimes I start singing. I'm like, that melody was not singable. And, and so I think, I think you practicing on your own at home is really important. Singing your heart to God. I'm developing in that, singing a new song to the Lord. Um, is really, really important and growing in that practice, almost of like spontaneous songwriting. I was going to say too, the, the other thing um, I think is beautiful about staying attentive during your service um, through the whole thing, and I would, just, I would just ask all your leaders to do this. You know, we, sometimes um, leaders can, after their role is done, they can kind of disappear, become, start to lack presence. But um, 
I was sitting in a, in a, in a service, and uh, there was a man preaching, and the guy that was kind of overseeing it said, I want you to listen to his, his sermon, and I want you to write a little song to respond to with. And there are thousands of people in this room. So um, I'm listening with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength, like me and Jesus say a lot. And um, I'm listening with everything, and I take his text, and I listen to him, and I start thinking about my life, and I th- start thinking, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? And I write it down, it's four lines, and the first time I ever sing it is in a microphone in front of a lot of people. And I literally, the, I, I am full of anxiety going up to the microphone, because I don't even, I just have heard the melody in my head, haven't even fully heard it yet. And Give us clean hands. <laughs> that's the song. And uh, I step in the mic and sing this. And I, I sense the power of God rest on that moment so hard. And my band, I just told my band, I said, look, I'm playing these, this part of this song, and I'm going to sing these words. And if this thing doesn't go through, I'm going back into the song. So just play with me. And they got that. And what it did was it set up a moment of risk. And you know, it just in, in life, risk is met with so much joy and life. And risk in the presence of God, I mean, there's so much that he would just rest on that. And uh, he used that moment and it was powerful. But it, talk about the fear and the anxiety of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably screw this up and it's gonna make me look bad. And da 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 all those things, all those voices. And, uh, and God's saying, you know, come and step out with me, and I'm going to move with you. I'm the, I'm the Spirit of God. I'm here to point to Jesus. And so that's just, a, that's just maybe a call to risk, not for yourself, but for uh, the pointing well toward Jesus. And I remember that moment. I mean, it was for somebody named John Piper who was preaching at Passion, and then and it was for Marvelous Light, the tag and you said i may be down um but i will rise it may be dark but god is light and i remember participating in that moment and it was all on sexual sin for a bunch of college students and to see and feel the the students rise up within that prayer um i think was and then to go into that song it was i think for me it was a beautiful marriage of the spontaneous of teaching people to pray in the moment and rising into what god is speaking in that time and also relying on, on other songs that have been written in the past. So, yeah. Hey guys, I'm John. Uh, thoughts and encouragements on shepherding the congregation that may be coming from different backgrounds on what it means to be spirit-led, con- combination of uh, loving order and hating spontaneity and loving spontaneity and hating so much dry order Um, I think to me, uh, I came, I lived a large part of my ministry life in um, spontaneity that could go on, and I was with groups of people that knew how to respond to that, and then when I started with um, a congregation that I had to teach that, I found... um, guidance so helpful so like where we might just vamp you know on on a progression or whatever and you're in a charismatic group of people and they just they knew to sing they knew to sing about the attributes of God and what he'd done and all these things and and other people are sitting down (laughs) and then now now it's like okay I get I can't just be I I can't just go to silence I gotta have a guided silence. So there's a lot of times right now I'm in a I'm in a reformed, you know, church, and so I'm 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 saying to them, hey, hey, for 30 seconds, we're gonna play some music, and there's gonna be a scripture on the screen, and I'd love for you guys to just meditate on Jesus, and I give them a little time frame, so that the guy in the back's like, this is going on forever, and it's only been 10 seconds, you know. <laughs> Um, he's like, okay, this is only 30 seconds. I can try this, you know. Uh, anybody can do anything for 10 seconds. Um, that's from a TV show no one's seen. Um, so I, I think just guided 
you know, humble, guided, non-demanding, come with me, let's try this, let's do this. I want to invite you guys to hold out your hands. Would you guys lift your hands with me, you know? And I think early on, I was like, get your hands up. And uh, uh, now it's like, come with me, come with me. And it's okay if you don't, but I'm really inviting you to. And I think that makes a world of difference. But posture, positioning, hand on your heart, you know, let's, let's lift our hands together. Let's be in silence and lift our hands. Guided, undemanded things that, that, that show them that they can do this stuff, um, I think relieves a lot of tension. I think it's good. I think sometimes we think spontaneity um, from a leader means that there's less leadership going on or that there's less guiding going on. And I, I, don't, I think it actually maybe requires more. Um, analogy I've used is if, if our liturgy or our plan is like this tried and true trail um, up a mountain, you know, we know this trail, we know that it's going to take us to this beautiful spot. Um, and so we can trust that trail and we can go on it, but sometimes we're going to get off that trail and we're going to go explore this space over here that we haven't explored. Um, well, guess what? If you're with a group, it takes some more intentional leadership to lead that, that group off of that trail. They can, they can trust a planned liturgy, but if we're going to go off a little bit, I'm going to be more intentional about the way I'm leading that and, and guiding them in the ways that, that Charlie has said. So inviting them in to, if we're singing spontaneously, if I'm sitting up there singing spontaneously by myself after a well, while, for some people they're going to be like, you know, this guy's just doing his own thing, you know, and there's a room full of other people. Um, and so I think inviting people into that and helping them know how to engage one would be, let's sing our own, you know, sing our own songs to the Lord, point them to scripture, or even for them, invite them to meditate on, on that truth. Um, one thing is, I can't, at some point I was reminded of this, um, one moment of spontaneity, it, it was planned spontaneity. So in my preparation to, um, for a song, I was drawn to, um, Psalm 1611 and a melody in there. And so in my preparation during the week, this melody came to mind. And then that Sunday, I'd honestly had forgotten about it. Um, and then I was reminded in the middle of that back to this melody that God had spoken earlier in that week, or I felt like God had inspired earlier in that week. Um, and so just another, another pointer to playing spontaneity. I think the, the only other thing or things that I can think of is it's a, it's a multi-layered issue that you're talking about of um, are you on the same page with the leadership of the church? Um, I think I talked about uh, theology of, of church gathering. What do you expect? You know, what do you expect to happen on a Sunday? And I think teaching both um, the leaders, but also the, the congregants, the members of like, what do we expect to happen? So I think setting that stage at the beginning of the time saying, this is what we're hoping. We, we know that God is, is, is meeting with us today. Um, and so I think I'm thinking in terms of like, what is the training that we do with our, our, those leading to have that expectation, but also are we training those coming to have that expectation? You know, because we keep telling leaders, be expectant, be expectant. And then those coming are just like, wait, what are we doing? You know? And so I think in our, in our membership class, we talk about the, you know, what to expect on a Sunday. Um, this, I think on Monday night, we're, uh, there's a guy, Andrew Wilson from England. He's, he has a book that's coming out called uh, Spirit and Sacrament. And uh, it's an invitation to you charismatic worship, you know, holding together liturgical and charismatic traditions. And so he, he's going to be, so we invite our whole church into that saying, hey, come learn from this guy. He's an awesome teacher. And we get to learn a bit more about how all of us are, are to come. Ex what, what were we expecting on a Sunday? I think being clear about that with our people, not, but also being gentle, like a, a good shepherd, like isn't just comforting, but also is challenging and, and, and guides, you know? So that's what I'd say. And maybe last, yeah, last question. Yeah. I'm Jim. Um, Jim. I, uh, yeah, I kind of live in like Romans 7 land where I'm like, I, I, the thing I don't want to do is the thing I do. And, and so I, I come from a place where uh, I always feel like I'm waging war with, with my flesh. And so I wondered if you guys could kind of point to like the journey for you to have the confidence to move the way you guys have. Charlie, your, your, your time of worship last night was, was really, it was great. And I could tell that you were sensing those things. And so um, you guys did talk a little bit about it, but 
uh, really that, that, that confidence to know that the Spirit is moving at, in those moments. Uh, I'm hearing bits and pieces. I'm hearing those answers, but maybe just framing the question like that. Great. Can you, can you elaborate just real quick? When you said you're waging war with your flesh, just elaborate on that just a little bit more so I make sure. I guess just knowing where, when, I, when, when I'm sensing that there's, there needs to be movement right now in our time of worship, uh, or if that's just like, hey, this, uh, this is hitting me personally, but it might not be hitting a soul out there. It, um, I, I guess that's, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Clear as mud? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think it, I'll, try to, I'll try to shotgun back and see if something hits, but... Um, I think some of that Christ in me conversation that we had a little earlier, like the spirit of the sovereign God, all he does, Christ in me, he's moving. There's some sense that I have, a th- I have the authority of Jesus in the word of God. Um, as a son, I'm standing here confident uh, that, that God loves these people, knows their stories, and wants to move. And so there's this, there's a confidence I can stand in in that. Um, logistically, um, knowing the music and the lyric where I'm out of my head uh, helps me be free to look around the room and be present. When, I, when my head is buried in chords and a lack of memorization and all those things, I can't be in my heart and I can't see faces and I can't have an ear to the Spirit. There's something about having an ear to God and an eye on the people and then using your, your, your eyes and your ears, all your senses, and then, and then your heart to go, okay, God, what are you doing? What do you want me to say? And uh, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to just stand in the authority as a, as a son, knowing that the Scripture and God's care for these people is at work, you know? And I think those are some of the th- those are some of the things for me uh, that I can stand in. So it's 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 awkward, you know, because uh, a human being can feel uh, can feel so insecure. I can feel so insecure, and I have to I'll have to remind myself my security in Jesus. And I can go through a rehearsal. We'll go. Th- we'll show up at seven. Go through our songs two times. Uh, man, that went great. Uh, and I'm a, uh, it'll be five minutes before it's time to lead, and I'll be like, remember, you have to lead. So it's different than playing the songs. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to stand up here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead. So it means I've got to look at the people, use the music, and be washed in the truth of God by the Spirit of God. And, I, and I, I'm going to say this last thing, um, and then you guys can close this. But I think I want the spontaneous but I think the spontaneous gets birthed out of the room being positioned in front of God. And so there's some sense that I'm, I'm taking everything, every tool that I can, and um, not, not using it as a trick, but using it as a tool to position the room where hearts are opened up before God. And in that sense, you can, you can feel that happen in a room. Like, okay, there, this is an open room looking for God, looking toward God. And in that sense, you start to sense the Spirit of God going, okay, here's where we're moving. Here's where we're going. Be quiet. Stop here. Say that again. I think that's really good. I, the only thing that's coming to mind in some ways, I have this desire, desire to want to demystify some of this a little bit. You know, because we know that when we gather that, that God he's active he's he's doing things he's healing people he's um he's comforting people um he's calling um the lost he's doing all this stuff so in some ways it's we can be confident that god is doing the work like like you're saying and for us to lean into that um in in even some of those spontaneous moments and that's a really safe place um and so it requires a little bit of risk and um sometimes it's like 
I've got to hear the voice of the Lord or, you know, or whatever else. But in some many ways for me, it's just leaning into those moments and knowing that God is already, he's, he, he is doing things that I can't see in this room. But if I'm leaning into that in true ways, leaning in scripture or in those moments, um, that's, that's a pretty safe, safe thing to lean into and trust that God's going to do um, marvelous things. I, I, the only, the only thing that for me, I'm, um what's coming to mind is just hopefully you're not alone in that pursuit of talking to people after I think uh, leading with confidence but also humility of like I think I think even understanding of of the Holy Spirit's move in the New Testament of of recognizing just that we can miss we can miss it you know what I mean that's okay it's just like in the sense of like hey I, I feel like we're supposed to do this like I, you know same service like or I led one time and then in the moment I was like, we really need to pray for marriages in this room. You know what I mean? And I'm like, was that God or was it not? You know what I mean? I'm like, well, it's probably biblical to pray for marriages. So like, so like you run that through that grid, you know what I mean? Is it God? Is this you praying for it right now? Right now? And so I think, I think an attentiveness to the spirit of God is, is I, I just slowed down. I said, hey guys, um, I just want to slow down right now. Um, I, I feel like we need to pray for marriages in this room. I don't know what, what you guys are going through, um, but I believe that God's Maybe heart- Maybe not wise to pray for a specific marriage in the room. Yeah, yeah. Just in general. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and, and that's where I just started leading that time. Now, what do we do? I think the hard thing is sometimes we get what we feel like is a revelation of something or hearing something, but then what do you do with that? You know what I mean? What is the interpretation of that revelation that you feel like you're hearing from God or the application? And so it, it's a more nuanced issue that I, that I think I'm hearing from you. But I think knowing that you're walking through it with others and just saying, hey, I tried to lead with, con- what, is, what did you guys you know, like experience in my leadership was a way of, of being clearer with that and also doing it humbly, not like saying, I heard this or I, you know, I think that's, that's where I think for me, I'm just going to take risks. And I think there's a beauty in, I think when people mess up from the stage of just being like, Hey, let's start that song over again. You know, we're family, <laughs> you know, um, similarly, I think just as we, as we try to step out and with these, some of these, um, hopes and desires to, to hear God, I think, I think it's a beautiful thing for us to learn together with the, with the family of God. So, all right. Um, Charlie, do you want to pray for everybody and then we'll head on out? Yeah, Jesus, we love you. We need you. Spirit of God, I pray that you would speak through the word of God into these people's hearts. I pray that you would draw their attention, their imagination, their affection up to you and that um, they would deepen their lives with you that they would learn to commune and know you, that they would know you um, off the stage so, so much deeper through your word so that when they're on the stage for that brief moment, their, their heart's response would come out of uh, knowing you through, the, through your word and uh, through their communion. So deepen that, give them, give, them a, give them life, give them hope, give them, give them dreams, give them pictures. Remind them of your truth in Jesus' name, amen.